Nerds. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Ready to expand your financial game? NerdWallet can coach you on smart strategies like choosing investments, finding your next credit card, and setting a budget that works for you. Score major points towards your summer vacation by learning expert tips for choosing a high-yield savings account and how to build wealth by investing in index funds. Slide into summer with smarter decisions in 2024. Follow NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, welcome in. I'm Lawrence Holmes. This is my podcast, Loho Daily. Today's topic is something that I've been dying to get into. And if you heard my conversation with Jim Ozarski, you'll know that I'm I consider myself fairly ignorant when it comes to the the AAF, the American Alliance of Football. I think that there is something there, but I'm not sure what it is. And I think that even if there is some sort of momentum when it comes to this league, that momentum gets blown away when you have people in who are high up in the organization already talking about the possibility of it folding. So I want to try and get to the the bottom of this. I want to try and figure out if this league actually has something that is interesting, that that it, can it sustain itself. And they've had some success. They've had some television success so far. They've done good numbers. People seem at least curious to to know what's going on with this league. So I wanted to to dig into the league a little bit. And try to understand if and figure out if this is something that is worth my time as a consumer. And now, you know, with, with their season coming to an end and their their championship getting ready to be played, I thought this would be a good time to to assess whether or not there's real value in it. So, I wanted to reach out to someone who knew the league better than I did, which, frankly, is probably anybody, but someone who covers the league. And I've been trying, like, I will tell you this, before th- this podcast even became a thing, I knew that I wanted to do some sort of segment on my radio show or my podcast about the AAF, but I kept running into more people who were about promoting the league versus covering it, and that bothered me. I'm all for promotion, trust me, I mean, I do a radio show, I do a podcast, I'm all about it. But I wanted to try and get as honest of an assessment of this league as I could. And finding someone to do it was becoming really difficult. So, I started following Ben Kershaw. Ben covers college football. He covers the AAF for CBS Sports. You can follow him at Ben Kershaw. Kershaw is spelled K-E-R-C-H-E-V-A-L. Okay, so he and I sat down for what I thought was going to be kind of a short interview, and it turns out that it's an entire episode, which is great because it's one of the things I wanted to talk about anyway. So here's me and Ben talking about the viability of the AAF. How in the world did you end up uh, covering the AAF? So I'm a college football guy by trade. And I've been with CBS for, I think this is my third year, and probably 
couple of days after the national championship game between Alabama and Clemson, my editorial director came to me and said, hey, do you know what the AAF is? And I said, "Not." I mean, yes, but like not particularly. And he goes, well, we're sending you down to San Antonio to cover training camp for it. And uh, it just kind of fell into my lap. But, you know, it's a good kind of career exercise to say, like, no one else was really on this. Like, everyone was really looking forward to the XFL coming back in 2020. And this, no one was really on this beat. So it was an opportunity to get down there, kind of get on the ground, develop your sources and, and your relationships and and really kind of corner the beat on that. And, and that's, so to me, that's just for the past three months, like, I've just worked nonstop to be like, you know, how can we just completely own the coverage on this, even if this thing, you know, whether it succeeds or fails, it's it's just been like, let's do everything possible to, to try to own this. And the event that it does take off, then you've done all the legwork already for it. What's been the most interesting part of covering the AAF? Um, probably the last week. <laughs> um <laughs> I think just ever since Dundon came on board, um, you know, with, with every startup, you know, when I, when I was down in San Antonio and I talked to Charlie Eversol for a little bit, he, you know, he, cause it's a startup company. I mean, people don't really view it that way, but it's, it's an LLC. So it's a startup league. And he said, you know, for the first 15 months that this was a thing before we even played football, you know, you have three to four ELEs per week, ELE meaning, extinction level events. I mean, things that can totally, there are always going to be a million things that can make this not work. And I think as this season has progressed between, um, you know, Dundon coming on and, you know, you hear reports that they were in financial trouble. Um, You know, one of the guys who was in early on this wants to sue Ebersol for, you know, basically stealing his idea. Now Dundon is, is trying to play hardball with the NFLPA. I mean, these are all a, a continuation of that timeline in that there are always going to be a, a million things that are, are going to make this not work. So I think just, you know, trying to be on, on top of all of those and, and really get to the, to the bottom of it. What is the appeal of the AAF? Well, the appeal of the AAF is, is what they set out to do, which is if you are a diehard sports fan, a diehard football fan, then there's more football past the Super Bowl. There's something else for you. And I now I go back to February when the season I, I say kicked off. They don't have kickoffs in the AAF, but when it when it really got underway and I remember that's just coming off of the Super Bowl. And it was I remember being so disappointed by it, right? I mean I, I don't know that I talked to any one person who was satisfied with the way that the NFL season ended. And it's like, okay, well, there's a little bit of, of redemption here. There's a little bit of a chance to, to kind of keep this whole thing going um, without having to have the off season with a sour taste in your mouth where you're waiting for the NFL draft. And so the AAF has really designed itself to be as close to the NFL as possible in terms of it just being, you know, straight football, just like you would see on Sundays um, in the fall. Now, obviously, they, they tweak some things about it. Um, you know, you have to go for two every single time. Uh, you know, there's no kickoffs. I mean, they, they do things a little bit differently. But overall, the, the product that they're trying to put on the field is, is the same. And so the appeal of the AAF is, 
you know, you like football, you want it to be more of a, of a year-round thing, which represents more of the 24-7 culture that I think that we have in football nowadays, even going down at the high school levels. The AAF kind of plays into that. Um, and then as a development league, that really uses an allocation system similar to the old USFL. There's more of a, of a regional market appeal on the individual level because, you know, for, for San Antonio, for example, you know, there's a lot of kids who played for Texas A&M, Texas, Houston, TCU, for Salt Lake City. Obviously, there's a lot of Utah kids. Uh, San Diego, you're going to get a lot of Pac-12 guys. So there's the regional market appeal. And then at a bigger level, there's the mass appeal of, you know, just more football. And hopefully, for, from their perspective, they have to get the product to the point where, you know, people want to continue to watch it. You cover college football. How would you compare the two products? Uh, I, they're kind of hard to compare because for college football, it's technically an, an amateur sport and it's, it, it lives a little bit more on the edge. Like college football to me is like the, the best, dumbest sport in the world because it's just you have all the mistakes of non-professionals but you get some of these crazy athletes, you get coaches who say like, you know, screw it. We're not going to play it safe. We're going to, you know, go for it more on fourth down where, so, you know, we're going to run, you know, these plays that we've been working on for a really long time. And so it's just the college football to me is, is such a unique thing. And for the AAF one, because it's in its inaugural season, the first month of the season, the first month I was like, from a betting perspective, I told everyone that was just bang unders. I mean, seriously, almost blindly, just take the unders. They're not going to score. Even though you can't really blitz in the AAF, these offensive lines aren't developed. The quarterbacks, you know, for half the teams aren't any good. I mean, you just have to understand it's going to take a minute for the offenses to catch up. But then once that happens, they're going to be running more pro-style systems because, again, they're trying to prepare these players to for most of them anyway, to get back into the NFL. So it, it's sort of an apples and oranges thing. I, I don't know that they're, they're very comparable. Um, they both have things that I, I like, and they both have things that, that I don't like. So um, I, it's, it, I will tell you this, as someone who's covered college football for the better part of a decade now, it is a little bit of a palate cleanser to, to go and, and watch something else. Um, I will say this, though. The AAF it has been described to me this way, and I think it's appropriate. It's a stopgap. I mean, it's a stopgap between college and, and the NFL. And when the XFL comes in in 2020, you know, you might have the idea of, okay, there might be a kid who's a, a you know sophomore who can go to the XFL and play because there's no rules about when you could you know leave college and go play professionally. Whereas in the NFL, you have to wait three years before you know you can go and, and play there. So. I think as the stopgap, you get, you know, a little sort of the sort of the tail end of one, you know, part of co- you know of college football, and then you sort of get the tail end of another part of the NFL. So it's sort of like right there in between, um, it, which is, you know, it's it's been fun as of late for the football games, but you know, I, it just it always just takes a while to sort of develop its own identity. What's it like to be in an AAF stadium? Game. Well, yeah, so I went to the Alamo Dome on Sunday. I live in Austin, Texas, so, I mean, it's, it's an easy trip for me to go down to San Antonio. 
And that's actually been the place where they've had the best home crowds. And, and that's sort of been a common question that I've had is, you know, what are the crowds like? Are they, are they getting people to come to the stadiums? And, and you have varying results with that. And a lot of times it's dictated by you know, how, how good the teams are. And, and for San Antonio, though, in particular, you know, this is a, a city that has really had the carrot dangled in front of it for having a pro football team. I mean, they built the Alamo Dome in the early 90s with the idea that if you build it, they will come. Well, it just never came, you know, at least not on a permanent basis. You had the Saints relocate there for, I think, five or six weeks in the aftermath of Hurricane Katrina before they went back to the Superdome. Um, you know, obviously with the, the Raiders, the, there was the flirtation about moving them to, to San Antonio, and it, it just never materialized. So this is a, a city that, and it's in Texas. I mean, it's a city that supports football. They want professional football. It's just never been there for them, at least in a consistent capacity. So when I was there on Sunday, they lost to Arizona, but you know, there were 23,000 people in attendance, which you know, fills up most of the lower bowl in that stadium. It's about a 60,000 seat stadium. Well, people might look at that and it's sort of a, a, almost a literal you know, glass half full, half empty type deal. People might say, well, there's still half a, an empty stadium. I say, you know, a week before that, they got 30,000. I mean, they, they get a pretty good-sized crowd for a first-year you know, developmental football league, whereas you know, I think Salt Lake has, has you know, struggled to get some people. Um, San Diego's done a little bit better as of late. Birmingham has struggled. Orlando gets pretty good crowds, about 20,000. So the, the crowd size has ranged a lot. Um, and it just has a number of factors that, that go into it. But if this thing can continue for a few years, then I, I think there's the chance to get some more consistent crowds. Uh, there's eight teams in the AAF, and I think you have a chance to, to get a little bit more consistency across the board. But San Antonio has been pretty great. They, they've sort of been the, the one true almost home field advantage um, in this league. Ben, it's weird because – Obviously, you know, being in working in sports, I pay attention to what some of the trends are. And I've been looking at what was going on with the ratings. That became a big story over the first couple of weeks of the AAF. Yeah. And look at the AAF beating NBA games. What what has dismayed me a little bit is that there seems to be a contingent of I I guess quasi media that are more fanboy of the league than actually giving me the news of the league. How do you navigate that? Because there's clearly a, a very a, a very rabid section of fans that want the AAF to succeed. And sometimes I feel like they're lying to me about its relative success. Okay, so there's a lot to unpack uh, in that question. So the, I guess I'll, I'll just I'll answer it this way. Uh, the reason why there's such a, a niche of media, and, I, and this is outside of, you know, your normal regional beat guys. Like, people for the, the San Diego newspaper will cover the San Diego fleet, right? People for the, you know, Orlando Sentinel will cover the Apollos, and, and so on. San Antonio Express News will cover, you know, the, the commanders and so on and so forth. So you, you, know, you have someone sort of regionally assigned to, to this. But as far as you know, more national coverage goes. I mean, we're, we're at CBS, we're, we're pretty much the only ones. And um, 
outside of that, you have you do have sort of more fan based media. But I think that's just because again, it's, it's such a new thing, and there's such a niche audience. I mean, I I the moment that I started covering the AAF, um, you know, the, the audience of of what I had on social media grew, but it grew in the sense that you know now there's just this whole other pocket of people who are interested in in this case in in this one thing. And so you have a lot of people getting in on the ground level, um, you know, starting up their own podcasts and coverage. You get a lot of people who are uh, starting up their own uh, advanced, like, stats and analytics and fantasy aspect of it because those are all needs that, that have to be filled, but there's no one really to fill it. So I think that's in terms of people – covering the sport, but doing so, and I don't want to say, in, you know, in, in a biased way, but in a way that's, you know, maybe not as, as quite as traditional, that's just because there's no one else to sort of fill that void. As far as, you know, the perception of the AAF and, you know, are people interested in it and, you know, the relativity, you know, with that, I, I do think there's some truth to that. I mean, they got great ratings in the first week for a couple of reasons. One, it was novel. Two, it, they had two games broadcast on CBS. Well, CBS, as a, you know, partner in all of this, they broadcast a few games, but it's not like you have AAF games on CBS every single weekend. NFL Network gets about half of them. TNT and Turner Broadcasting have gotten some. CBS Sports Network always broadcasts a, a 4 p.m. game on, on every Sunday. So, it, part of it is then you're going from these national cable networks to, you know, things that you probably have to pay for in your, your cable or satellite package. So the, the ratings are naturally going to drop. And I, I don't think that should be any surprise to anyone. They've been, you know, good though. They've maintained, you know, about maybe 400,000, 500,000 people for some of these, you know, some of these broadcasts. So I, it, it's good, relatively speaking, in the sense that, for a first-year football league, what can you reasonably expect? Um, so I, I think in that regard, it's done okay. Um, you know, long-term, if there is a long-term, you know, we'll, we'll see. But it's, it's, been, it's been good. The, the coverage of it is – and this is just where, I, again, I, I feel like I have a responsibility to. Is there's just not much of a national coverage of it. So – you know, I, I have to make sure that, that we're doing as good of a job as possible in terms of really giving people sort of the, the inside look on how this machine is running and, and you know, whether it, it can succeed or not. I, there are thousands of people working in the AAF, and if this thing goes under, they're the ones who lose their jobs, right? I mean, that's the thing that, that I, I try to remember in all of this, is that there are a lot of good people trying to make this thing work. If it goes under... I'll just go back to college football. You know, I mean, it, it doesn't really affect me a whole lot. So it's, I, I, I try to be sort of as straightforward about it as, as possible, whether it succeeds or not, is not my issue. Um, but I, I, I would like to see it succeed if only for the fact that I, I think it's interesting. I am having fun covering it. And I think there are a lot of good people on the back end trying to make it work. How would you describe the health of the league at this moment that we're talking? Yeah, it's not great because Tom Dundon, who is the control owner, and he also owns the Carolina Hurricanes of the NHL, is from a negotiating standpoint, I mean, he's not on the same page as everyone else in, in the AAF. So Tom, for anyone uninitiated, uh, you know, he 
we put in a $250 million investment back in February. And at the time, it was reported that it was because he, he sort of had to be the savior, that he, he, the AAF was having financial issues and they couldn't make payroll and all these things. It really what, it, what happened is they were moving over payroll systems. They also needed to hit a milestone in, in their liquidity. Um, as a startup, you're relying principally on capital investments um, for those types of things. They had, from what I was told, um, you know, a, a couple of offers. They went with Tom's. And, and so then he became, because of the amount of, of money that he was putting into it, he was the, the controlling owner. You know, he's the guy who can really make the, the big boy decisions. And, but since then, you know, Tom has spoken very publicly and candidly about how the AAF is going to get its, its talent source. And what you have behind the scenes is a negotiation process between Bill Polian, who obviously was a long time uh, you know, general manager of the, of the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, he's now moved over to the AAF where he's the head of football. He and, and Charlie Ebersole know each other very well. He knows Dick Ebersole very well. Uh, and he knows Demar Smith, the executive director of the NFLPA, very well. And so he's been, he and D have been talking through, okay, can we get practice squad guys come down to the AAF, which I, I think is the right call. The, the idea that you would have a steady talent source coming in, you can develop them, move them back up to the NFL. It increases, it potentially increases the quality of your product. And then also at that point, you're officially tethered at the hip with the NFL, which is, is what they want. And it is probably your, your safest bet for survival. So in all of that, and it takes, I mean, you have to understand, I mean, with, and I'm sure you do, with the CBA, I mean, it takes. It's complicated. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Years. For this stuff to, to form, you know, to formulate. And, and it does not happen overnight. And Tom comes in last week and goes, well, if we can't get this agreement done, we're gonna, we might fold the league. And I'm like, okay, well, that's a strong-armed attempt to, to get things going, right? I mean, he's not, I don't, I don't want to call it a bluff because I, I certainly think the threat was on the table. But that was a very clear strong-armed attempt. And I'm like, okay, I, I don't really think he's going to do this, but I, I'm not. I'm not quite sure I, I understand the, the tactic here. Neither do so, I, Ben, because if, if I'm the NFLPA, what what why why would I help them? Like for, well, first of all, it does does it really help me in the long run to to partner with the AAF? And I, I don't understand what what the threat is that, that's supposed to make the NFLPA jump at this. Well, it, it can help you. The problem is is there's not enough um, there, there's nothing right now that tells you that that's going to be the case. Like right now, there are probably a half dozen, maybe maybe five to ten, AF players who will play on Sunday in 2019. So I mean, there there are so there. I, it's a projection, but at this point, I I would stand to believe that there are some guys who will come out of the AF and make an impact in the NFL. The idea being that they slip through the cracks because the NFL is such a tough business. If you get hurt, if you get you know sent to a practice squad, you're not getting the reps in practice. I mean, all of those things play a factor. And, and if you go to the AAF, get everything that you're not getting in the NFL and come back up, th- there can be proof that the system works. Well, right now, we, we don't know that yet. We think we might know that, but, but we don't know that yet. And so, for, so it can be beneficial, but from the NFLPA standpoint, and this is totally understandable because it's their wheelhouse, they, 
one, player protection is a big thing, right? I mean, you have to protect your labor force. And if you, you put them down to the AAF, there's an opportunity for them to get hurt. And they need to understand, you know, they have to be able to wrap their heads around the fact of, okay, you know, what are the percentages of them, you know, having a season-ending injury where, you know, there would have to be an insurance payout. They wouldn't be able to participate in the following NFL season. And then also on top of that, because you're mostly dealing with practice squad players, you know, you have NFL futures contracts, right? So you have guys who have the rights for the following season, um, you know, the NFL or, you know, specific NFL team possesses those. So you have to, there's a logistical hurdle in that, right? You have to completely start reworking the way that these contracts are set up. And like we were just saying, that takes time. So there, there can be a positive spin on this for the NFLPA. thing right now is the AF does not have the leverage that Tom Dundon is, is trying to, you know, use. And so t- to me, I, I don't think the NFL needs the development source right right now. Because they, they have a free one with college. More or less, yes. You have one in college. So they don't need it. So for Tom to, to try to, like, strong arm this situation or you know, to speak it into existence, I, I mean, I've talked to a, a bunch of people close to the AAF, and they all say the same thing, which is like, what? is this guy doing? Like, just, does he not get how, you know, Pauline and D go back, go way back. They're good friends. Like you have all of this stuff in place. And if you just, if you just exercise a little bit of patience, you know, this thing might be able to work out. Thing is, Dundon's the one that's already funded $70 million. Right. So, it, I mean, it's his butt on the line in terms of whether he's going to get an ROI on this. So I, I understand both sides, but, I think at the end of the day, to to try to use leverage for your benefit when I don't know that it really exists at the moment is a is certainly an avenue that has perplexed a lot of people around not just the AAF but the NFL. Is the business model can can the business model work for the AAF if they don't get NFL support? That's a that's a really great question, and I don't know that I have. An answer for that, there are some people who believe it can work because it's not – it is a pro football league, but, you know, Charlie Ebersole has also sold it as sort of an innovative tech company in that, you know, huh. they're going to – they have an app for it. You know, they're going to – the way that they're going to try to inject, you know, fantasy to it is, is you know, that's, that's going to be innovative. And I, I don't know. I, I haven't really heard that, – that's one area that I just have not – heard a lot of details on i asked charlie this is probably back in january before the season started and i i i didn't get a like a, a super clear specific answer and i'm not saying he didn't have the answers i'm just saying like that's still that at the time that was still part of the development process for them so i think they feel there are you know maybe a couple of ways for them to to monetize this but you know, the, the key thing is, is, you know, can you hone in on, on one, right? Can you be one thing um, in a very successful way? I, I don't know that they can be just yet. That's not to say that they can't. What I will say is, man, if, if the NFL can be your, like your sugar daddy, <laughs> that's, there's nothing wrong with that, man. I mean, that is, if you can have the NFL, you know, financially or contractually tethered to you, I, I do think that is your best chance for survival. Because right now what you have is 
the AAF is in love with the NFL. The NFL likes the AAF, right? I mean, it's it like Jerry Jones, who they they moved the championship game, the AAF. They were supposed to have it in Las Vegas. They moved it to the Star Center in Frisco, Texas, which is the other sort of football and entertainment facility that Jerry Jones owns. Well, the stadium in the star is one third of the size of the one in Las Vegas. People are like, were they, were they scared about not selling enough tickets or whatever? I'm like, no, look who owns the star that, and you know, Jerry Jones had the AAF hat on at the combine. I mean, like they, they like the AAF, but they haven't really done anything yet to say, we are going to, go into business with you. So the AAF is trying to, to do its part to, you know, say, hey, we're available. We want this, you know, to work. We want to have a, a connection with you guys. And the NFL, just like we were talking about earlier, everything, everything with the NFL takes years, to, you know, before they're, they're willing to make it. There's so much red tape around the NFL. Um, so, you know, it could be one of the things where it's, it's the, you know, the long payoff if, you, if you're willing to be patient with it. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I, that's one of those things where I tend to believe if this thing is around for three years, let's just say three years, 2021, if it's around for three years, I think it'll be around for a decade. Huh. You know what I'm saying? Like if it can get through the first three years and find a way to – you know, stay liquid, monetize, you know, figure out this thing with the NFL. I think it can be around for a decade. If, the, the, you know, between now and then, though, I think you're going to have a lot of these types of instances where, again, there can be a million things that could make this go under. So to me, this year, 2020, with the, especially with the XFL coming back, 2021, I think those are going to be the first few years that really determine whether this thing is going to work or not. Can the AAF and the XFL occupy the same space or does one of them have to go? Uh, Well, historically, none of them can occupy the space. You know, I mean, historically, every other complementary football league has either folded or, you know, it's not not done very well. And it's, you know, very niche, Uh, certainly not enough to, you know, be a, a sustained thing. So I, I would be surprised if both of them could. I mean, it's possible neither of them will. It's, you know, maybe only one can do it. They're trying to be markedly very different things. Again, the AAF wants to be a development league for the NFL. They want to be very close to them. The XFL is willing and, and potentially able because, again, Vince McMahon has a a – pre-set infrastructure in place, right? When the XFL started in 2001, NBC, Universal, and General Electric were tight and still are Titan companies. So he had all of that backing from the start. The AAF never had that. Um, and so the XFL is saying, we want to be separate from the NFL. If you are a sophomore in college and you don't want to play college football anymore and you want to come play professional football before you have to wait another year to go play in the NFL, you can come play for us. So, I mean, like, they're trying to be a completely different thing. And maybe it works. I mean, I, I, even though I cover the AAF, I root for I, – I, I am totally for the entrepreneurial spirit, right? If you want to start something and you have an idea 
and it works, and there's a demand for it, and there's an audience for it, and you can monetize it, the free market system says you will succeed, right? So I, I am totally for it. If the XFL works and the AF doesn't work, that, that is fine by me. Um, but I don't think that they can live side by side. One of them will have to go, and might, it might even be both of them. Which one do you think you'll end up covering next year? Uh, <laughs> I mean, because you, they... you've, you've already built the, 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 all the sources and everything in the AAF, but yeah. I, I would imagine that it might be a little tantalizing to, to go cover the XFL. I will cover whatever CBS wants me to cover. And, and <laughs> I, answer. Well, I mean, it's, that's my job. I mean, I, I have a job. I'm fortunate to have a job in the place that I do. And whatever they ask me to do, I will go and make the most of it and, and you know, try to cover it the best that I can. You know, the, with the understanding that you know, these, these things historically come and go. All right. Uh, let me ask you this. You've been super generous with your time. If there's one team or one person, let's make it and, if there's one team and one person in the AAF that I should try and get on my radio show or podcast, what what team should I focus on and what person should I interview? Oh, that's, well, again, because these markets are so regional, I, I, don't, I don't know that it's, it's easy, especially in Chicago, to, to try to, because most of these teams are Southern. And so that it's it's hard to you know get a, a nationwide interest in in this. I, I will say though that Orlando has been the most engaging team, and that's because of the person. And now I don't know if he'll come on the show, and that's no disrespect to you. That's just he's just just the way he is. But Steve Spurrier is their coach, and Spurrier is amazing. I mean, they they have him mic'd up for games, and he's hilarious. He's you know, he's, I think, what, 72, mm-hmm. three now? I mean, he's, he's up there. He had back surgery in the offseason, so he got this limp. But, like, man, he's just he's as sharp as he's ever been. And he, he's so witty. Um, he has been, maybe besides, I, I would say, even more than, like, Trent Richardson. I mean, he's been the biggest name in the AAF. I mean, he's been, like, almost the face of it. So, Spurrier has been great. Um, you know, he's... He's been a great quote. He's everything that anyone ever wanted him to be when he signed on to join this. Um, but yeah, he's he's been he's been fantastic. Okay, all right. I, I also feel like like seeing a game in the Salt Lake market could be really interesting too, um, considering what what they have and what they don't have as far as sports go. Ben, thanks for this, man. I really appreciate your time, and I uh, I follow your reporting because I I felt I felt like you've been one of the only people. That that is that is kept it a hundred that that you haven't been really swayed or or find yourself promoting the league versus reporting on the league and I appreciate that. Well, you know, I, thank you. I mean, that's that's nice of you to say. You know, we're just trying to do the the best that we can. And and I look, I, I think I I've always tried to be really transparent in the fact that I mean, I work for CBS, CBS broadcasts the games, CBS Sports Network broadcasts. I mean, there is. Clearly, on my side, is that's the interest in, in whether this thing succeeds or not. But at the end of the day, it's it. There are factors that are out of all of our control, and, and whether it's going to survive or not. And and so in that case, since it's out of our control, you just go and, and cover it, you know the best that you can, and and you know you just you see what happens. And like I said, if it folds, then uh, go back to college football, man. <laughs> I worst worst things I can do. So it's. 
it's been fun, and you know we'll see what happens. Thank you, sir. I'll be in touch. All right, thanks, man. That's Ben Kershaw, who covers the AAF for CBS Sports. That was educational right there because there's so much that I don't know about the inner workings of this league, and I kind of wanted to get into it, and and I feel like I missed the window as a fan because baseball came back. Like that window for me to really jump into the AAF, it was open, and then I I remember I was actually in Arizona for spring training. And I was watching an AAF game on a Sunday night. I was like, oh, okay, yeah, it's football. I love football. I can I can get down and with some of the rule changes that they have put in place. And then I realized baseball will be back in a week. I'm having a hard time, honestly, and I know this sounds stupid because I'm an adult. I'm having a hard time finding the games. I'm like, oh, the games are on CBS. Great. I know where to look for them on Sunday. And they'd be like, oh, well, no, this one's on NFL Network. A- and I wish there was. I think what, what Ben said was very important, that there does need to be more national coverage of it, but that national coverage, it, it has to be organic. Like, we can't force it. I'm trying not to force it on you. I don't know if you like the AAF or not. I, I know that it's an intriguing concept that we're all like looking at and going, can this thing work? Will it work? I'm not sure. I know it's a little bit interesting, but it can be very um I I will say that the online life of the AAF has been a little bit intimidating because if if, if I'm looking at, like, sports TV ratings, for example, their their Twitter account, and they say, oh, well, the AAF ratings were down. Like, there's an army of people that want this league to succeed so badly that they're, they're going to jump on you and be like, well, you know, you're just trying to see this thing fail. I've, I've seen that discussion already happen. I've seen there be kind of this this – fanboy stan aspect of the AAF that kind of makes me not want to jump in as a fan. But I do like the idea of the NFL not being solely a monopoly on the game. But if your business model is so dependent on the NFL giving you a stamp of approval, it it, it makes me feel like you're not, your league is not in a great place from the setup to where it is financially. So I'm glad that Ben could be on and and really kind of shed some light on the subject. And I don't know if you like the NFL. I don't know if you follow it, but I thought that I would at least, since I had the forum, at least give you something to think about and discuss and see if, if, if one, if it exists. Like, my fear is... I'm recording this interview with Ben, and by the time I get you this interview, the AAF will have folded. Like, real talk. Like, that's how I feel. That as soon as I turn my interest into this league, that the league is going to disappear. Anyway, I'd love to get your feedback on it. You can hit me up on Twitter, at Lawrence W. Holmes, L-A-U-R-E-N-C-E-W. 
Holmes, H-O-L-M-E-S, and let me know how you feel about this. I thought I'd take a shot in the dark with this episode and see if there were other people who felt the same way about the AAF that I did. So I appreciate you listening. Thank you so much. And let's have a conversation about the AAF and maybe the XFL. Talk to you soon.